would like to move our conversation from your your irredeemable ignorance about the pleasures of fruit flavored seltzers. <laughs> Hi, I'm Maya Grant. And I'm Rebecca Cohen. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. And this episode, we are going to ruin something I know I love. I do too. But it's because we're trying to ruin it before Elon Musk does. Exactly. We are going to ruin Twitter before Elon can get his dirty hands on it. <laughs> and that's our episode today that we were going to do before we got so rudely interrupted by Ginny Thomas leaking the draft opinion, which oh, I'm wait. convinced on. No, <laughs> Wait, I haven't heard this theory. Oh, yeah, because now is anybody talking about Ginny's involvement in insurrection? No, <laughs> no one is. I 100% think it was Ginny. It was Ginny. Wow. I'll buy that. I mean, it's as plausible as any other guess, in my opinion. Uh, so we've been having really interesting conversations on the Saw Speakeasy about the upcoming end of Roe v. Wade. Um, people are talking about, you know, the way the priests at church are talking about it. They're talking about... Uh, their own experiences with IVF. Uh, I mean, there are really interesting conversations happening. A listener uh, who actually had written to us about Gone with the Wind, Matthew Elmsley, wrote us an email saying that he thinks it's a combination of three things. In the Republican Party, the cynical strategists have lost power to the true believers. Hmm. Republicans have plenty of other issues lined up behind abortion for things that they can still get their bases riled up about, like trans people and same-sex marriage and race. Like, they're never going to run out of material. And they're not planning on winning a fair election ever again, so it doesn't matter. They might as well start doing the things they want to do. As in, they're only planning on winning unfair elections. Yeah. Which will be all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little depressing. I actually read this great thread just not long before we started recording by a friend of mine, Bryn Tannehill, mm-hmm. that got retweeted a bunch. And um, she's just sort of laid out like how impossible it is going to be to do anything about this stranglehold on power, this minoritarian, religious extremist minoritarian rule yeah. that yeah. we really actually seem to be under. Or very soon will very clearly be under. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, she's right. Yeah. But but it's, it's get out and vote still. Oh, I don't know. We still have to care. Just move to California. No, but it's not even going to be that simple. It's I, We don't have to get into it all. <laughs> Let's <sighs> save it for the Sauce Speakeasy. Yes. And if you would like to join us at the Sauce Speakeasy, you can join us by becoming a patron, patreon.com slash sauce podcast. And come find your people while we still can. Uh, It's a really... (laughs) While we still have the freedom. While we still find each other now. The gag order has not yet been extended to Discord. Yeah, I mean, look, I have to say, it is a great relief to know that there are these people who are from all over the country, all over the world, who, Mm. who we can all find, that we all find each other it's a, it's a great relief to me. It gives me yeah. a lot of comfort. It really does. Yeah. 
So if you go to patreon.com slash saucepodcast, check out different membership levels. And no matter what level you pledge at, you are going to be invited to join us on the Sauce Speakeasy. That's right. Chit chat about this and, and good things too. Yes. Like, like apparently the TV show Severance is fantastic and we have to watch it. Everyone says to watch it. I've watched the first few episodes, I will right. say, but I can't speak to it yet because I've only watched like three episodes and I need to see where it goes. Okay. Um, and other good things like my cat doing way better. Baby girl is doing amazing. Oh, yay. <laughs> She's really herself again after some serious surgery a few weeks ago. Is she allowed to live without the collar, without the yes. cone? She got the stitches out. She got the collar off. Other than having half her body shaved and the weird way she has more ribs on one side than the other, you would never know anything was wrong. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your bionic cat. Yeah. $20 million cat. For real. So so it seems like you're doing well. And what are you drinking? I am drinking a canned vodka and soda that's mango flavored. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wanted to not be late to our appointed time for recording. And so I didn't have time to make a cocktail or anything. Uh, It's good, actually. I love mango flavored stuff. Generally speaking, here's my thing. Here's my hot take. Yeah. Alcoholic seltzers suck. And um, I'm going to extend that to say all flavored seltzer is terrible. Alcoholic oh. or not. Wow. So I don't want it to wow. be like too wow. harsh. I don't want to be too Them's harsh. fighting words. On your you white know? claws and all the white claw <laughs> knockoffs because I don't think it's their fault. I think that they are based on a faulty premise. <laughs> which is that fruit-flavored seltzer is good. It's not. It's weird because it doesn't fully taste like that fruit. It's just like a vague background essence. taste it's of that essence. fruit. It's yeah. I don't care for that at all. But this one happens to be a little better than the others. The mango flavor comes across nicely. So wow. I'm, to- I'm tolerating it. Wow. So what are you drinking, Maya? Uh, White Claw? Are you fucking serious? (laughs) Because it is left over from Paz's birthday party. And and so it's there. And I'm drinking this one, uh, which is passion fruit flavored. Let me take it, you know. Passion fruit. Yeah. That's the thing. I... (sighs) It's so refreshing. I've been drinking passion really fruit is. flavored La Croix. So you are drinking it. What Not is it? of my own like volition. I... Not of your, oh, somebody's forcing passion fruit yes. La Croix on you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Come yes, on. Exactly. No, I tutor in home and sometimes the parents will offer me, would you like me to drink? And I'll say, well, do you have any, you know, seltzer club soda? And they'll give me like lemon flavored or passion fruit flavored sparkling water thing. And I'm like, okay, fine. And that's what brought me to this place where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come out and say it. There's a you're reason like, I don't buy these. Fuck like, these parents. Yeah. Fuck these people. Yeah. They're lovely And you're parents. saying, fuck you too, Maya. Fuck you because you are those parents. They're very kind to give me of their canned beverages. <laughs> I appreciate it deeply. They don't have to do that. And you know what? To each her own. If that's your thing, go for it. I'm just saying it's bad. Thank you. I'm just saying it. Your taste taste is poor. (laughs) 
All right, let's talk about Twitter. Yeah. We, as we said at the top, we are going to ruin Twitter before Elon Musk gets to it because we know yes. he's going to ruin it. So we got to yes. get to it first. Yes. But before we even ruin it, mm-hmm. I want to make an argument for what's great about Twitter. Well, I think it's interesting because I think both of us are are big lovers of Twitter. I think sometimes I get even, I feel like a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our ideas and the things that we're like, oh, this is what's surging right now. This is what we should talk about. A lot of it comes from Twitter. It does. It does. You don't have to kind of half whisper it. We can openly admit that. Yeah. Um, the only reason to be slightly ashamed is because I think it uh, places us as Gen Xers. Because oh. if we were younger, we would be on Instagram or the TikTok or I don't know. There's probably something new that I don't even know about now. I am on Instagram for work because as a visual artist, you have to be on Instagram. Yeah. And so it's very like Instagram is its own thing. Instagram for me is like a task. It doesn't, I'm not addicted to it. It's a task. I have very specific things for the Instagram. It's where I save all of my workout videos for when I go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And it's where I deal with things related to work. Like, so, mm. okay. But that's really interesting because I think it makes a contrast to Twitter. For me, I've never been able to get into Instagram, even though I know it's very popular and it's a very good mechanism for keeping in touch with friends and family. And it's also uh, could be very useful for promoting the podcast, promoting my work, my cartooning, anything. Like I've for years been trying to figure out how to use Instagram but it doesn't feel intuitive to me the way Twitter does. Oh, that it doesn't, is very interesting. Yeah, it doesn't, first of all, appeal to me the way Twitter does, but also the mechanisms that what you do on each platform and what your followers can do are different. Like, there's no retweets yes. on Instagram. And yes. this, to me, was this crazy wall it's like running into a wall. Of like, I don't know what to do with this. My whole job is to tweet stuff that's good enough that people are going to want to retweet it. Right. And then when other people see my stuff retweeted, they'll retweet it. And then they'll see my profile and they'll follow me and I'll get more followers and I'll get more retweets. That's the goal of Twitter. That's right. the game of Twitter. Right. But on Instagram, you can't retweet my stuff. You can't regram it. I mean, people do, but they're putting it no, on their but own you have feed to, and it's or, not linked through to you. Or what you do is you have to do, um, you have to copy it with these sort of third-party apps. Yeah, you regram like, with the third party. Or yeah, you exactly. And it's just not the same because it's not like when someone retweets your tweet, it's like that's your tweet. It's like an artifact in and of itself, and it ha- they right. click on your name. You're you're there. Right. Um, whereas when they regram something, they may or may not even tag you. And right. how many people click on that tag? I don't right. even know. And I know right. that the kids do the thing where in the replies, they tag their friends to share right. it to their friends. But right. but it's not as much of a conversation. I think that's what it comes down to. Like Instagram well. isn't a conversation. It's like a performance. Yeah. But that's not where you're going to like get into it. Or, or, or where right. you're going to watch other people get into it. And that's why I am, a, like, Twitter is the one thing I'm addicted to. I deleted my Facebook years ago, and it's like it never even happened. It's like amnesia. Like, Facebook yeah. never happened in my life. 
I have not deleted my Facebook, but I literally have not looked at Facebook in like two or three years. Right. It's there. In fact, Sauce Podcast has a Facebook page. And I think whenever we um, post on the Instagram, it automatically posts to the Facebook. So if people want to follow us there, that's you're welcome to do it. But we don't put any original content on there because neither of us like. But what is it? What what? Why does Facebook suck? so much compared to Twitter, there's like a lot of conversation on Facebook. There is conversation on Facebook. You can share pictures on Facebook. So Facebook, it's almost like... Best of both worlds. Right, but but it's yucky and gross, and I don't like it. I don't know how to describe it. The problem with Facebook, in my opinion, the number one problem with Facebook is that your aunt is on it. Like, that is the number one thing that drove me off it is, like, if I post something, that's mom is going to see it. Oh, okay. Okay. She's never going to see what I tweet. Right. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. But she'll see what I put on Facebook. Even if she's not on Facebook, like, Matt's aunt will show her. Like, it's going to happen. The relatives of that generation are on that platform. Right. So that's number one. Number two... Facebook started doing this thing where um, they show you in your feed a curated feed. Like you don't just get a timeline that's like in chronological order. Here's what the people you follow have posted most recently. Okay. They look at your likes and interactions. And then based on that, their algorithm tries to show you content that it thinks you want to see. But isn't so that, that what, I would- what Twitter does? Yes, but on Twitter, you have the option to just show it in chronological order, which I always do. Okay. Yes, I do too. But um, on Facebook, you, can, you don't even have that option. Right. So what happens is every time you log in, every time I would log in, I would just see posts from like the same three people. And they weren't necessarily people I cared about the most. It was like maybe they were the people in my friend's circle who happened to post the most and I happened to like the most. Right. Like I just happened to see their posts. I don't know, but it would be like somebody that was like my coworker five years ago. Right. They're not necessarily the people whose content I want to see. Right. Not that I don't want to see it, but like I want to see everyone. Right. I have friends with 300 and 400 people. I don't know. Like where's all of their stuff? And, And you weren't seeing it. Right. Right. And then who's seeing my stuff? You post something and in order for people to see it, it has to get interactions and likes. And then it gets more people see it from that based on their algorithm. And it's like so fucked up and weird. It's like, I just want to post something and know that the people in my friend circle will see it. Right. Why can't it just be like that? Right. They fucked it all up. Well... Instagram does that. I mean, look. Yeah, Instagram does that too. Just to just to be clear, the reason I love Twitter, because mm-hmm. Facebook is all like friends and friends of friends. And mm-hmm. and yes, your aunt and like whatever, and that's where my mom is and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But Twitter is where all the writers are. Yeah. And that's why I'm on Twitter and that's why I'm addicted to Twitter because I feel like Twitter, you get access to all of these people who are like 
professors of economics who will just launch some thread about something using their expertise or like yes. you think about like some of the writers I'm thinking particularly about black women writers whose careers were made on Twitter like Tressie Cottom like mm-hmm. Mickey Kendall like yes. these women are have changed my fucking brain forever like they've changed my life I would not have found them on Facebook. I would not have found them on Instagram. They're brilliant. So you're pointing out actually a few different things that I think are great about Twitter. One is uh, it is a place where you get sort of access to a lot of, for us, it's like writers and thinkers that we're interested in. But like, even if you're more into celebrities or I don't know, whatever field you're interested in, the top people in your field are there and you get to read their thoughts yes. and ideas. Yes. You get their sort of like off the cuff, casual remarks, or, insights, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and Twitter is huge for writers and journalists. I mean, it's it's actually nowadays a crucial sort of career tool. Which actually Taylor Lorenz has written a lot about in really interesting yes. ways yes. where like at this point, journalists like employers expect something from your Twitter and they want to kind of own you and own your social media persona. Like you can no longer just be a journalist. You have to be like a persona, a character. You have to be a brand. You have to be a brand. Yeah. And so they try to own your brand via Twitter. Yeah. And there isn't the sort of job stability. No in um, journalism and related fields like there used to be in being a content creator as it were which fr- a phrase I hate but like you know it's a what good phrase catch-all. I hate what which is such an LA phrase being what? a creative a creative I don't mind oh, oh. being a creative oh. but anyway um I like content creator because it, it covers yeah uh, all the different kinds of content one might create and um that could be videos, it could be cartoons and comics, it could be text, which, you know, could be any number of types of text. But for content creators, long gone are really the days where you just, like, got a job at the New York Times and that was your job. Yep. Though There's, like, some dinosaurs out there. We know who they are. They're doing that. But as Taylor Lorenz is pointing out, for up-and-coming journalists and other types of content creators you're freelancing yeah like you're kind of on your own you have to build your own audience and bring that audience with you in order to get a job that's right in order when you do write something to get eyes on it so that you will be hired for another job which I want to put a pin in that because I feel like I'm not somebody who can be a, a twitter sort of hub or creator I feel like you have to be ADHD to do well on twitter Like, you have to be willing to, like, be on Twitter all the time. Like, some of my favorite writers on Twitter, like, I love them. But I'm like, when do you get your work done? Because you are tweeting all the time. And that I just want to put a pin in that for things that are kind of, mm, that are a problem with Twitter. Okay. But now we're talking about the things that are good about Twitter. Yeah. But going back to what you said about all the great writers that you've been introduced Mm. to, another important point that's sort of implied in there is the way that Twitter does give a platform to people who otherwise would not have a platform yes. and allows people who are in marginalized groups, marginalized people 
to have their voices heard yes. and amplified in ways that uh, otherwise wouldn't happen. It's hard to imagine because there's no gatekeeping. That's right. That There is an extent to which if you put good, exciting content out that people are interested in on Twitter, it will get mileage. It can get mileage. Yes, there are various w- ways to do that. Like there are techniques to getting your work seen on Twitter, but none of it requires prior connections or resources, money, or any of that kind of stuff. It, it's really an opportunity, and not just for writers who otherwise wouldn't get an audience, but politically speaking. Yes. It is a way for marginalized groups to be heard. To be heard and to find one another. So once mm-hmm. you find, like, the really badass feminist writers, the really, like, badass yeah. whatever, whatever that group is or whatever that sort of world is, all of the people in their circle, that's how you find more of those people. The badass, like, historians of Twitter. Like, yeah, the amount of love I have for the historians of Twitter, I can't even. Those, <laughs> I love them. I love them. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and they are all sort of these little bubbles of communities. And once you get your hands on really the good mm-hmm. ones, then you find the whole rest of the world of them. And it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. And it can also be very entertaining. Yeah. You can find really funny people, a lot of great comedians. Yes. And um, just people who aren't professional comedians just being funny about shit. You know, I, it makes me think about, what's her name, Sarah Benincasa? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, in the traditional realm of, like, comedians and comedy shows, like, very male-dominated, very right. sexist, and she's sort of created carved out this world on social media specifically twitter where like you get to make the alternative universe where people care about what you have to say Mm -hmm. and by carving out and creating that alternative universe you actually bring it into existence because then everybody else is like oh we now care what you want to say and they start like hiring you for things it sort of reminds me of uh years ago when guy our friend guy branham was on a podcast they were interviewing him and he was talking about the difficulty of not fitting into any kind of mainstream idea of like what a comedian should be because he's gay and fat and mostly not what casting directors and producers and and other gatekeepers are looking for and guy characterized himself as a left-handed oyster shucking glove I think about it's that all the time. All the time, right? <laughs> it's the kind of thing that if you want that, that's what you want. If you are looking for a left-handed oyster shucking club. Then you need gonna, it. You that's need what it. you need. And that's, yes. that's what you're looking for. And you're going to be happy you found it. Now, now very few people are going to be happy they stumbled upon that. But the people who want that, want that. And the idea is that on Twitter... You can find the people who need that left-handed oyster shucking glove, and you can be that for them. And and there are actually a lot of people who need it. Maybe not in your town, but across the world. Right. There are actually a lot of people who need a left-handed oyster shucking glove. Probably and not that, that many. Well, you know, but still, <laughs> also, it allows you to... I think oyster shucking gloves aren't left or right-handed. I think they're just gloves because I looked it up because I was going to buy him one as a gift. <laughs> And uh, I was like, no, they just, they're just chainmail gloves. Okay. Um, 
so those are all things that are great about Twitter. I want to add that although in the past Twitter has had a lot of trouble with content moderation, mm. it's had a lot mm. of trouble with uh, Nazis, yeah, and trolls, yeah. a and, bit, and, a bit, yeah, that's and stuff. Donald Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, Twitter has a lot to apologize for. We'll get into that in the next segment, but I guess better late than never. After Jack Dorsey left the company, they kind of got their shit together with content moderation. Started cracking down on misinformation and disinformation. Um, Right. And through Donald Trump and Milo Yiannopoulos and a lot of other people. um, Right. Right. What's his name? Roger Stone. Like, they're they're not on there. It's just like, no, you're not going to fucking have our platform to do whatever the fuck you want and, like, screw democracy and all that. Right. Which is, like, good. More power to them. And I will say that, in my experience, this, this sort of abuse and trolling is a lot less than it used to be. Now, granted, I tweet a lot less than I used to, but I think it's yeah. a lot better. I will say that uh, there's still problems. Right. Yeah, it's imperfect. But what's perfect? <laughs> in the world of social media, very little is perfect. And I really think that... Facebook is still being controlled by the Russians. So Yes. Yes. My my feeling is that the Russians are who have been who are giving Elon Musk the funding. All right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, but Ginny 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 leaked that and I think the Russians are funding Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Okay, we're going to get into Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter soon, in a moment. Yes. But before we get into that, like we said, now we have to ruin Twitter. We talked about what we like about it, what we think can be really great about it. I would even add um, that I think it kind of energizes people politically. Yeah. I think the way that it sort of feels democratic, everyone has a voice and... um, it feels participatory yes. instead of top-down in a lot of ways. Yes. And I think that that translates, I honestly think that that translates into more energy toward voting and, and political participation in meaningful ways. Or, you know, I could be absolutely wrong. Maybe people think that tweeting about stuff is doing the work that they need to do. Right. And then they're not doing the work. So I don't know. I have no evidence to back that up. But that's a hypothesis. But I think all of the things that we like about it contribute to the first word that I use to describe my feelings towards Twitter, which is the first thing that's terrible about it. It's addictive. It is addictive. But all of the social medias are. Yes. And I don't know if it's bad or not that it's kind of addictive. I mean, does it interfere with your life? Mm, It doesn't interfere with my life in that obviously I get a lot, I get my work done I feel like I'd be more productive without social media. I have a friend mm-hmm. who went on a writer's retreat where in, on this retreat center that has no internet connection. And he said to be cut off for three weeks from social media and mm-hmm. the sort of stretch of being cut off from social media afterwards was like profoundly cleansing. Um, but I also feel like I mean, we have different rules on Twitter. Like, you are a funny tweeter. I'm not very good at the tweeting. I'm more of a lurker and a reposter. And Mm -hmm. I'm very into uh, the sort of, like, you can feel like you're signal boosting 
awesome people. Like that's how I feel. And that's sort of the political problem where I feel like I'm doing something by signal boosting people who I think should be heard. Right. But I feel like it is addictive. And I feel like the addictiveness is you get into this conversation that's like this whirling dervish and then nothing actually happens everything is like bifurcate it's it's so mm. i think there's two things that are going on in that addictiveness one is the thing that's true of all social media which is we as humans are hardwired our brains are hardwired to seek social interaction yes that's like a fundamental to human survival in the evolution of our species we need social interaction yes not only do you seek that, but when you have social interaction, it like activates pleasure centers or whatever. You get whatever neurochemicals right. that make you feel happy. And um, that's what social media is all about. Getting feedback from others, interacting with others. Right. You know, you get the likes, the retweets, uh, the responses, the mentions. It just feeds into what's already there in your brain, the desire for interaction with others, approval from others. Yes. All of that stuff. Which then also gets you into the weird FOMO-ness and anxiety of when other people get more appreciation than you do. But also the FOMO-ness of like wanting to be part of live events. I think this is where Twitter really stands out perhaps from other social media, which is that it does have this live quality. Right. I don't know if everyone else is putting their feeds on chronological order. They should be. But uh, when a news event is happening, oftentimes you're getting information about it on Twitter before that information is hitting any major news outlets or anything like that. Which means sometimes you're getting it before it's actually confirmed as being correct. We're going to talk about that in a second. But um, when live things are happening, people on the scene are tweeting about it. You're finding out about it right away. And when live events are happening, the Super Bowl or any sporting event, you see it, you know, it's the NBA playoffs. Yep. You go on Twitter any given night. Everyone's talking about what's happening right now. Yep. And that, I think, is something people crave. Especially in this, like, world of streaming where you watch a TV show whenever you feel like it. And, you know, you talk about it, but it's not like you're all having this experience together. People want to feel like they're having an experience together with other people. And Twitter facilitates that, which I think is there's nothing wrong with that, but it does make it very addictive. And it does make you start to feel this FOMO of like, if I'm not on Twitter, I don't know what everyone's talking about right now. I don't know what thing Barry Weiss wrote that everyone's piling on about. And I want to be part of that. Yes. <laughs> I want to know. Yes. I want to know what the scuttlebutt is. I want to know what everyone's talking about and be part of that conversation. And so yep. it does become very addictive. Right. But also it changes the way you read the news. It does. I am... On Twitter for my news. Yes. I don't like, I used to go to the New York Times website and I still, I have my New York Times subscription. I have my Washington Post subscription. And I used to, there are certain websites that I would go to for the news. Yeah. No. Now I just go on Twitter and that doesn't mean that I'm getting better news. It means that I'm getting the news in my feed. 
right whatever as happens the feed to be whatever the feed. and whatever or happens in the trending topics whatever happens to be trending that's right so it's not necessarily the news that's the most important it's the news that's lighting people up to freak out yeah. So it's a lot, it's news as like, what is everybody freaking out about right now, right at this second? And that doesn't mean that I'm better informed. No, I would say not at all. Um, quite possibly, I would say the opposite, except that it's so hard to find good news, like any yeah. kind of platform or outlet that's yeah. really actually delivering relevant and interesting important news and comprehensive news like a lot of a lot of them are doing relevant interesting important but they can't be comprehensive no one can and so um what's the difference like if you go to the new york times i can't say it's better or worse than just going to twitter.com but it's true It, it is going to bias you toward whatever's going on that is getting people worked up that is getting people excited and often that can be trivial stuff Oh, because yeah. the trivial stuff can be easier to get worked up about. And it's trivial stuff like some person who has a lot of followers, again, like Barry Weiss. Mm-hmm. Like Barry Weiss said something stupid. And that is becomes the news. Yeah. That is not more important <laughs> that, right, than the actual than news. Than the actual news. But according to Twitter, it is. So Twitter is dependent on that. I'm slapping my arm right now as if yeah. I'm an addict. Like Twitter you is gotta dependent get on that fix, that fix feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of that makes it addictive, but I think there's a worse problem there. Okay. Which is um, that the way Twitter is structured, the very mechanisms of it, the way the platform works mm-hmm. in itself, it, it is ripe for amplifying the wrong things. Yeah. Like things that get people excited, things that make people feel angry or scared or feed into their like tribalism. Right. Feelings of superiority, things like that. And it also, despite what they're trying to do with moderating, it creates an environment that is just like a a incubator for misinformation campaigns, disinformation campaigns. And for trolls and abusers and people like that. Yes. There's just no way. I just can't envision a way you could have Twitter without those things. Um, So what I mean by the actual, like, mechanisms of the platform. Like, first of all, the very nature of it is lack of context, right? Mm -hmm. A tweet, I mean, now a tweet is, how many uh, uh, characters is it now? 280? 280? I mean, even with threading and everything, tweets are little bite-sized bits of writing. So by their very nature, you can't put much context in there. Right. Nobody expects you to really, like, cite sources. You know, maybe you'll have a link if you can. Yes. But it's generally, like, a, a, a thought or a, or a basic idea as concisely phrased as possible. Right. And so because there's no context, number one, disinformation is really easy to spread. Yep. Because if you have the trust of the people following you, you can just make a statement. Right. And some people will look that up and see if that's true. But uh, a lot of people will just take it as true based on their trust of you or based on how much they want to believe that it's true. Right. But also, 
Twitter has other mechanisms that create problems. Okay. Like, for example, when you reply to a tweet. Now, it used to be back in the day, back in my day, uh, when you replied to a tweet, only the person who tweeted it ever even saw it. Mm. Right? I would be like, at Maya Grant's, ha ha, that was funny. And you would private. see that in your mentions. It would be in your mentions. But it wouldn't appear in anyone else's feed. And it wouldn't be attached to your original tweet. Okay. Now the original tweet, all of the replies are sort of attached yes. to it. So when you click yes. on a tweet, you can see all the replies. So that's yes. an improvement. But still, those replies don't appear in your feed unless you click on the tweet and seek them out. Right. So if someone tweets piece of wrong information and then someone else rebuts it replies with like here's why that's wrong way more people are going to see the incorrect information than are ever going to see the rebuttal yes it's the nature of the thing and it also this also contributes to abuse because you can tweet something and get 30 people replying with you're a fucking cunt whore jew go to hell whatever (laughs) and um most people won't see that. And of course, if it's not a reply to your tweet, if people just randomly at mention you, at my grants, you're a fucking cunt or whatever. Right. No one's going to see that except you. Really. Right. It's not private, like impossible for them to see, but there's no reason they would see it. Right. So that really like hides a lot of the abuse that is going on on Twitter. Um. And hides the rebuttals of good information. Uh, And then at the same time, you have this phenomenon of like an influencer economy. I think, okay, I read this piece um, that quoted Cat Lowe, a researcher. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the piece was. All I wrote was Cat Lowe, researcher. But she called it influencer hubs, Mm. which is you Mm -hmm. have these sort of like super Mm -hmm. users who have tens of thousands or millions of followers and they wield this outsized influence as the title goes so that for example if they quote tweet someone it sends a mob of people yes. against that person or against or for or, or for. for sometimes they quote people and they're like oh look at this very smart person no, but yes sometimes it can be they- fucking great right you get quote tweeted or retweeted by someone with a huge following it's wonderful. You get, it can be you amazing. get followers. Yeah. yeah. You meet people. But it's also a tool that is deliberately used by trolls and, yes. and abusers. Yes. And it also intentionally or unintentionally contributes to the phenomenon of like pylons, which are not necessarily just like gamer gators or alt-right trolls or something like that. Uh, pylons can happen like with the best intentions. Something can be taken out of context or, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen a tweet that some random person, and by random person, you know, I mean someone who's not famous, doesn't have any public presence, tweets something and somehow it sort of picks up steam as people see it and like take it out of context. And then like a celebrity responds to it, you know, quote tweets it. And makes fun of it. And it's like, you're ruining this. You don't realize you are ruining this person's life. Life. This right. is a person who gets two notifications in their mentions a day at yeah. most. And she's going to open her phone and there's going to be 500 notifications. Yeah. 
and it's like okay Patton Oswald or whoever you you get that many notifications every morning before breakfast but for her it's gonna feel like she is being deluged so that's an unfortunate sort of result of the way the platform is structured right I mean I always find it funny if you like it's a whole trend in itself also when somebody like writes somebody who's just sitting there with their you know 20 followers who are their friends yeah and they write a tweet that all of a sudden hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, okay, go donate money here right. now that you're all here. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what? Like, it's it's a very, I mean, part of that social impulse and that fact that you can find the left-handed chucking glove means that it, there is a level of interaction that is hard to prepare for. Yes. And just by being on the platform, you are opening yourself up to the possibility of that. Like right. on a platform like Facebook, you have to friend people and it's like a mutual thing. Both yes. parties agree yes. to the friend relationship. Yes. And yeah, there are friends of friends and you see them in the conversations and replies to people's posts. Yes. But um, Twitter has this weird limited directionality in its flow of information. Right. That's right. You don't friend people. You follow people. A person tweets something and it goes in one direction to their followers. I was just reading this article, this really interesting article from 2010, and I'm pointing out the year because the article was about Twitter as a venue that is ripe for disinformation campaigns. Oh my I, God. I, I had to look like three times to make sure that I was seeing the year correctly. Oh my God. The article is called Twitter as a Vector for Disinformation, and it appeared oh in the <laughs> Journal of Information Warfare. And um, this article by, I'll give him credit, P.R. Chamberlain, it uh, distinguishes between different types of users of Twitter and um, calls them listeners, speakers, and hubs. Hubs being used differently than the researcher Cat Lowe was using them to describe influencer hubs. Listeners are people who mostly follow other accounts, occasionally That's retweet, me. stuff like that. That's me. Um, talkers are people who... Uh, the ratio of um, followers to followed is like they have way more followers than people they follow. And they are mostly tweeting stuff and having it listened to. And then right. hubs are the people who have about the same number of followers as people they follow. And it's a lot of mutual relationships. Right. So the hubs right. sort of hub together and are a really interesting vector for spreading misinformation or good information, whatever it may be, the one-way directionality of the information flow kind of facilitates the problem of disinformation and makes it useful for, like, Russian disinformation campaigns, for example. Um, because if an account tweets some piece of bad information, the people who see it and don't believe it and don't like it, for the most part, will ignore it. Or right. maybe they will rebut it. Right. Maybe they will say something in the mentions that will be much less likely to be seen than the tweet yes. itself. Yes. But the people who like it and agree with it will probably retweet it. Right. And their the people, the people it. it's much more likely to be amplified mm -hmm. than undermined. Like once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It just sort of bypasses the people who know it's wrong and finds 
its way to the sort of branching tree and exponential growth of going viral um, because because it's like all in one direction. It's not, it feels like a conversation on Twitter, but in many ways it is not a conversation not at a conversation. all. So and and in that way, the the problem of disinformation or misinformation is that the wrong stuff is going to get amplified rather than corrected. The correction of the wrong stuff is not as rewarded by the system. Yes. And the other problem is, is that the other thing the system rewards is controversy and really divisive things mm-hmm. and saying really extreme things. It is yes. not a place that rewards nuance. It's not a format that rewards nuance. It rewards the thing that's going to make people go, ah, ooh, ooh, oh, ooh, that's right. Exactly. I'm retweeting, <laughs> blah, blah. And there, and there it goes into the world. So in addition to it not really being a conversation or being a structure that reflects a conversation, well, actually, that's incorrect because I can show you this fact right here. Mm-hmm. The structure doesn't reward that, and it rewards the things that press the button. Exactly. Press the button! It very much does. <laughs> and I'm part of it. Yeah. I'm part of it. I get addicted. Like when Roe v. The Roe v. Wade, you know, the, the Alito insane decision goes out, and I'm like... Instead of like, I'm going to go out and get drunk tonight. It's like, I'm going to go on Twitter and just fucking retweet shit like crazy. It's the same thing. I like how recently um, Twitter has started doing a thing where when you press retweet, it says, are you sure you want to retweet this without having read the article? (laughs) (laughs) Just just checking. I'll read it later. Whatever. No, I won't. I'll read it later. (laughs) I'll open it in another tab with my 70,000 tabs that are open of things I never read. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, it it's so true. It's very true. A very easy way to grow your following on Twitter is to be more extreme. And to have the hashtag that makes it simple. And in some ways, and I'm saying this for us politically, the things that I, I think especially with like gender and race, like it's a really interesting moment where everybody's talking about, we've talked often about how civility is a tool by the right wing yes. to shut up the left wing right. always. It's a, it's a tool by the uh, established powers, Establishment. whoever's established in power. powers. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but there's a way where it's like, there's the reductive hashtag and it's so reductive, but God, it's so good because it just hits what it really is. God damn it. And yeah. Yeah, but that's can be a, that can be like a very unproductive thing. It can, but it can really start a whole career. It can I start, mean, exactly. It can launch people into the spotlight. Yeah. It yeah. can launch an issue or topic into the spotlight. And that's that's another mechanism of Twitter that actually sort of rewards the wrong things and, and creates an environment that's ripe for this type of abuse, um, which is the hashtags and the trending topics. Right. Because... You can, through a trending topic, take a pile on, you know, abuse of someone or piece of disinformation, whatever it may be, and expand your audience enormously. If you can get registered as a trending topic, then all kinds Uh. of people who aren't even in the follow networks and wouldn't have seen that are going to see it. And it, it just takes it to a whole other level. You can get outside your own little sort of ideological cliques 
and um, the cliques themselves amplify things to the point where they get on the trending topics and people do it deliberately. Like you see the right wingers doing it all the time. Like those sort of alt right adjacent people. Yeah. Who do this. Let's, yeah. Let's get it trending. Hashtag Biden dementia or something, some shit like that. Like whatever they're trying to totally Obama teleprompter. Totally. You know. Totally. But here's the example I wanted to bring up really quickly, which is um, this is a long time ago now. But do you remember the hashtag cancel Colbert? No. Oh, I can't believe you don't. Maybe you weren't on Twitter at that time. So this is terrible. I can't remember the woman's name, but she was like a college student at the time. And um, Colbert did this bit on his show, which was um, making fun of the uh, Washington football team. But they're racist. Yes. Uh, at the time, yes. apparently they've changed it. But they're ra- they have their racist name and logo. Mm-hmm. The bit had was something like, "I've got my own team, and it's this like Chinese stereotype." And he did this right. lo- extended bit that was just like diving into the worst of Asian Chinese stereotypes, and this Chinese American, I think Asian American student whose name I now can't remember. Listeners, you'll have to remind me her name. Um, Was like, hashtag cancel Colbert, trend it. And it trended. And it became this like huge thing, like huge thing. And Colbert even talked about it on his show and made fun of her. The issue was that those defending Colbert were saying, you didn't get the bit. You didn't get the joke. He was using it. To satirize the racism of the Washington football team. Right. And to point out how horrible it is. Right. And because Twitter lacks all nuance and any kinds of shades of gray or ability to explore anything in depth. Right. You, there was no conversation. It was like, he's punching down. He shouldn't be punching down. Versus, you don't understand sat- satire. Oh, God. Oh, it's like, God. I, I wanted to tear my hair out. The problem was that it made, like, woke Twitter and cancel culture look bad. Because right. to people who weren't really listening or weren't really getting the message, because the message wasn't being well conveyed, to be frank, uh, it, it just looked like these people can't understand a fucking joke. They don't understand right. what satire is. Right. The idea of, like, Yes, I understand that this is satire, but it's not okay to use stereotypes of one group to make fun of stereotypes of another group group. or to point out the error of stereotypes of another group. Think how this feels if you are an Asian American who has been abused by these stereotypes your whole life. Like those ideas were not getting across at all. It was like he's punching down. Even ironic racism is still racism which I fucking hate when people say because it's the definition of irony is that the literal meaning is the opposite of the intended meaning. So ironic racism is not racism. It is the opposite of that. You are using irony wrong. Wrong. (laughs) But I know what they mean. They mean racism in jest is still racism. Right. But I don't know. That whole conversation was very counterproductive. And I think it was a perfect example of how the platform of Twitter is such a poor platform. It was a great platform for amplifying this girl's idea, 
but it yes. did not convey what that idea was and it didn't at all. lead to like a better ultimate conversation like yeah. did it leave did this leave us smarter right did this leave us better did it leave people understanding more the, more about an issue like no no i felt like it didn't all right so now we have to talk about even though twitter already sucks and we talked about how it's terrible it's still going to even get worse. Oh, God. Because Elon. So one of I'm going to be straight up all conspiracy theory today. So uh, that's, I've had my Ginny conspiracy, Twitter purchased by Elon, funded by Russians, total belief in it. Um, there was also this thing where there is this Twitter account, which is a bot that somebody made which basically tweets every time Elon Musk takes his private plane. <laughs> and uh, my and and so it's great and it's very revealing and it sort of exposes him in all of these ways. Oh, why is he flying here and all this stuff? And uh, and somebody's theory that I read was like that's when Elon decided to buy Twitter was when somebody was doing this that like Elon Musk is trying to purchase Twitter because of personal slights. Oh, a hundred percent. That's not even a conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's about the private jet thing, but he's gotten in all this trouble with the SEC because of Twitter. Right. You know, he's tweeted about Bitcoin plenty, but he's also tweeted about, or crypto, he's tweeted about uh, his company and said things that have been flagged by the SEC, but also he's under a gag order basically from the SEC. Because he settled with them. I can't remember what the fucking thing he was accused of was. Some kind of insider trading thing, right? Whatever the SEC would care about. Right. So the Securities and Exchange Commission accused him of something. And he settled. And the uh, nature of the settlements that they do is that he admits no wrongdoing. But he also agrees never to talk about it publicly. Right. The idea being that... They can't have you settle and admit no wrongdoing and then go out and be like publicly saying, I didn't do anything wrong, defending yourself. Right. Not okay. And he is bristling about it. He feels like he is being uh, repressed. Help, help, I'm being repressed by the SEC because he can't speak freely about this and other things. And They've been on his back about a lot of stuff. So... I don't know if he thinks that somehow buying Twitter will change that situation in some way. Well, okay. So him buying Twitter and and we've talked about this is where is where the free speech grifter Venn diagram because I'm using that correctly now overlaps. Yeah. I feel like they don't must, the listeners don't get that reference right, because we were, we're looking at a bad we were looking Venn at a Venn 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 right. So <laughs> The right-wing free speech means I can say that I want to measure skulls whenever I want, uh, and yeah. we should maybe hang women who get abortions, uh, overlapping with grifters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think right in the intersection of that Venn diagram yes. is Elon Musk. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's, he is the embodiment of that. 
Yeah, his big rationale publicly for wanting to buy Twitter is this free speech absolutism. Yes. He thinks they should never have have banned Trump from the platform. He wants to restore those folks um, and, I guess, have it be some kind of free-for-all. It's all fine. It's not our place yes. to say what is... Uh, productive speech and what is not, what is Let the marketplace of ideas just <laughs> right. sort it the fuck right. out. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that always works. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I don't think we have to get into why that's a terrible idea and what a problem it is. But uh, it would 100% make Twitter worse. Yeah. I would argue that it's it would make Twitter worse even than it was before they instituted their more recent moderation policies. Yes. You know, back when there were a ton of trolls and a ton of um, Nazis, basically. There was just Nazis everywhere you fucking looked on Twitter. And yes, as many people have pointed out, it will be like that again. Mm-hmm. And there's this way that it's going to be like that because one thing that we didn't mention about why things on Twitter are bad is that the anonymity of Twitter, the fact that like anybody could have multiple accounts means that like one Nazi is 20 Nazis. Yeah. Many Nazis. That's actually a really It's not just one point. person. It's like all the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also I feel like a conspiracy theorist when I say it, but it's not, this has been like studied. There are ample academic articles on it. There are Russian troll farms, and Russia's not the only place that's doing it. Lots of places are actively hiring people yes. to pretend to be ordinary yes. Americans yes. or or other nationalities, Correct. depending on who's having an election right now. Yep. And um, they, they really poison the well. They poison everything because they have multiple accounts. They pose as regular folks. They not only spread bad information and correct information, fake news, but they also spread terrible ideas. Yes. And they pose as different sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely left-wing professional trolls. And um, any stripe of view you have, somewhere among your little hub, your uh, 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 ideological clique, some of those people are professional fucking trolls. That's I'm right. I'm telling you. That's right. That is the truth of it. You have to be aware of it. And the more a tweet makes you go like, oh, what the fuck? The more you should be asking, is this a fucking this a troll, troll trying to egg me on? Right. Um, and if it's not a troll, then it's probably a grifter because there are those right-wing grifters. There's also, we talked about a, l- a while back, resistance grifters. They're, they're resistance grifters. There's the naturopath grift, which I'm thinking a yeah. lot about because of COVID misinformation and disinformation. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, more of that, I guess. He says he wants to get rid of all the bots, which I think is an admirable idea. I don't think that bots are even the bulk of the problem. Right. I'm sure they are a piece of the problem, but... Fake accounts are not just bots. Fake accounts are sock puppet accounts of regular users and then accounts of troll farm trolls and, you know, um, advertising, propaganda, and I don't even know what else. (laughs) But 
there's a lot. It's all anonymous, so you don't really know. Right. And there's the weird kind of shadow economy of the bot. Like, 60% of Trump's followers were bots and spam and propaganda or inactive accounts, right? Like, you, you yes. found that fact. There's that weird shadow economy of how, like, we don't really know how many actual followers there are or actual clicks by actual people. So like there's a way that social media is always a grift or like the internet is a constant grift because you're always working on this economy that's never actually provable. You're working on this like, and I feel like there's this way that if what you're doing, and I guess this is why Trump was very good at Twitter, if what you're doing is just being inflammatory for attention to create a sphere of influence that's based in that, then that's like, yeah. it's very, that's very powerful. And he's very, very good at it because he doesn't care about being right. He just cares about attention. And so I feel like any of those sort of guardrails that have happened since Jack Dorsey left get taken off and we're back to the sort of worst version of it. Exactly. Think about how nice it has been since Trump hasn't oh been. Oh my God, Trump. it's been so nice. Like he's still there. We know he's there. Right. But it's not like every day, every time you open your phone, every time you go on Twitter is a new, like look at what he fucking tweeted today. Right. And you don't even have to go on Twitter because they're covering it on CNN. Right. And MSNBC, they're telling you what he tweeted. Right. Like, to not have that happening. Yes, he's having rallies. But it doesn't become news in the same way, because so often it isn't news. So why are they making it, it news? It isn't news. Right. But, like, giving him that ability to just directly do his inflammatory shtick. Yes. Oh, God. the worst thing. the worst. Thing. And, and it's been really great. To not have him have that. Now, I'd like to think that Trump is enough of a narcissist and good enough at being a narcissist that he wouldn't get back on Twitter. I don't know, because but, he's tried to start like three different kinds of right-wing Twitter uh, equivalents that have all failed. I mean, yeah. they can't. They've all, they've failed, all failed within a minute. There's no actual pleasure in being on a platform that's only with other conservatives. No. There's no pleasure for them in that. They want to be trolling libs. They want to be getting a rise out of people. That's their whole MO. They, yeah. What are they doing they can't if they're just talking it. to they each can't other? without it, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. they don't have any actual real ideas. But, he, okay, so here's the thing. So we see what could what will go wrong if Elon gets this. Part of me thinks this is just an attention-getting scam grift in itself because the financing, yeah, as everything he the does, financing yeah. looks rather tenuous and, you know, it still needs to be approved, any of that. But then here's something I wanted to ask you because I am very much a listener on the Twitter. I'm like, yeah. and you haven't been on in the same way that you were. Can we take a moment for me to ask you, like, what was your experience of Twitter? Like, what was you, what is your specific relationship? Because I'm a listener, I'm a reposter, I'm an amplifier. I have a couple of mm -hmm. followers. It's nice to have Twitter when I, when I put out an essay or whatever, because whatever. But you have a different relationship to it because you I guess, would you be a hub? 
would you be an influencer? What what would you I mean, what would you call I, yourself? I would call myself like a junior influencer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like um when I lived in Berkeley, they invited me as a social media presence to come to uh Berkeley rap shows. For oh free. wow, nice. nice. Yeah. So that I would like tweet and gram about the shows. Right. It was great. I saw some good shows. So, like, I was kind of in, I was, like, like a, in the realm of being an influencer. I got on Twitter specifically to promote my comics, my web comics. Okay. And so, for me, Twitter was always a tool to promote my work, but also, like, it becomes a, an aim in itself. Where you're like, I'm trying to get more followers so I can promote my work more, but, um... You forget why you're get trying to, it's like, I got to get more followers. I gotta okay, get more followers, so this gets you know? to back the thing that I wanted to put a pin in, which is that I feel like Twitter doesn't just reward extremism. I feel like Twitter rewards ADHD, addictive person, like like the need to, to always be on it. Like you have to be, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that has to do with ADHD per se, but I will say that for me, just like cognitively speaking, the the small bits of information that are constantly coming is like right up my alley right. as someone with ADHD. Right. There are different theories about what causes ADHD, but one of the leading ones is that uh, there's uh, uh, problems in the uh, dopamine and norepinephrine systems. Okay. So every time you get, a retweet, you get a reply, uh, someone with a lot of followers, someone famous replies or retweets, that's a dopamine, right. man. That's what you're looking right. for. That's right. what you need. Right. <laughs> My brain doesn't have enough. Right. So yeah, there's definitely a way in which there's a relationship between my fondness for Twitter and having ADHD. Well, so um, why have you been taking a break? And then what has that been doing for you? Because I've noticed like you're not on. I'll bring up stuff that's like a trending topic. And you'll be like, oh, really? That happened? And I'm like, yeah. where have you been? Something happened during the Trump years where I got, I, I don't want to say I got tired of it, but it was like, this feeling of like this thing we've been doing, like at first you're tweeting feverishly, like none of this is normal. Don't normalize this. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. And then after like two years of it, you're like, who am I talking to? Who's hearing this? Why am I doing this? We all know it's not normal. Right. We all know it's outrageous. Right. What am I supposed to say? What can I add to this? It's the same, kind of the same reason I stopped making comics. It's like, I can't, com there's no commentary I can make. There's no parody or satire I can create that is going to be more outrageous than the original thing. Right. It, it started to feel like I'm one of those resistance grifters. Like I'm just doing it to get people to be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. When I'm actually not contributing anything. And not like I thought I was contributing something deep, but like I like to think that when uh, people respond well to my tweets, when people do respond well to my tweets, it's because I am good at hitting on an angle. Yes. That people didn't think of. You are. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think you're that's what also, we do pretty well, well. Yes, we do. But, and also what you are very good at, but I'm not good at, I'm good at sort of conversing loosely about finding my way to it yeah. through this kind of juicy process of conversation. Yeah, I am not yeah. good at the like, zeroing in at the like 
bing like that I don't I don't have that also because I'm too lazy for it like I do you know what I mean it requires yeah, I do. I do. it requires your brain to work in a certain way and also it requires you to to want to be in the problem solving of like like doing yeah. that and I feel like what we do is much more appropriate to how my brain works which is I like we're gonna kind of get there we're gonna I don't know how <laughs> we're gonna get there but we're gonna get there and I right. really love it you know yeah no I love it too I I do and I enjoy the process of thinking things through but there is a work to it there is like okay this is the trending topic okay let me see what everyone's talking about What's going to be my take? Well, everyone's already said this. What can I add or what angle can I approach it from? Or how can I get it into some pithy, concise form that's going to make everyone say that? That's it. That's That's the thing. That's what was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't able to articulate. Take me away. Take me away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a little work to that. But uh, yeah, I I think at my best... uh, I can do that well, and um, that's why I like Twitter. You get good feedback for that. It's like, yeah, I, you might be surprised based on this conversation, but I can be concise at times. All right. I want to add one last thing before okay. we finish up. Okay. All that we've talked about, yes, Elon Musk is going to ruin Twitter yes. because he's going to let Trump back on and Roger Stone. And everything that that represents, and we've yeah. been there. So we know he's going to ruin Twitter because of what we've seen Twitter be at its worst. Exactly. But I think he's going to make it even worse. If indeed he's going to be the, the free speech absolutist he claims, which right. I question. But assuming he buys it, assuming he takes it private, assuming he does all the things he's saying, He's going to turn Twitter into OnlyFans. It's going to become a porn site. But isn't Twitter a porn site already? There's so no. much porn on no. the Twitter. I do you see porn on Twitter? Yeah, I, I don't get there are a porn couple of, in my Twitter feed. There's a oh, I don't see it with that like, but there are porn stars who I follow. Oh well, yeah, okay, and they well, you and, follow porn stars. Well, yeah, and on their account, on their feeds, they put a lot of porn. Good for them. But there are limits to, I think that Twitter limits how much that porn is going to spread. I see. So you're saying it's going to be the sort of thing where porn's just going to show up. Yes. Okay. Not that there will be porn there, but that there will only be porn there. Got it. Okay. Got it. And um, Got it. The reason I think this, I, I think this is really interesting and worth bringing up. The Communications Decency Act... Uh, Section 230, this is the law that Trump was trying to change. It's what allows Twitter and other social media companies to moderate content. Okay. It's what allows them to kick Trump off. Got it. The reason being that um, traditionally the, the government recognizes two types of platforms, right? There's like a newspaper and then there's like a public utility. And a newspaper can be held liable for libel. <laughs> right. Right? A newspaper has to be careful what they print. They cannot yes. print libel. Yes. The difference between a newspaper or magazine versus an open platform is editing of content. In a newspaper, you, you choose exactly what goes in and what doesn't. But on an open platform, it's just it's open. 
It's open. There is no moderation. People can put whatever they want. And therefore, the hosts of that platform are not responsible for what goes on it. So can you sue Facebook if someone posts libel about you? Well, no, you can't because of the Communications Decency Act, which carves out this exception for social media. Section 230 makes Twitter and Facebook and all the social media this sort of hybrid in between where they are allowed to moderate content, but they are not held responsible in the way that magazines and newspapers are. And the reason, the main reason they want to be able to moderate content is not because they care about disinformation or trolls or Nazis. It's because of porn. (laughs) It's because if you don't control or ban pornography, it's going to be all over your site. And that is immediately going to turn away the users who are not interested in seeing pornography. And your site is going to turn into a porn site. That is what is going to happen. So if Elon Musk is serious about zero moderation, zero moderation, people can post whatever they want. He is likely going to see uh, uh, a lot of good content fleeing the site because they are not going to be interested in being there with Nazis and unsolicited porn. You heard it here first, guys. OnlyFans slash Twitter. <laughs> I think it'll just be me tasting different seltzers, flavored seltzers, <laughs> and telling you how shitty they are. You think you people know, would pay to see that? You know what happened to me today? I was I was outside this. I'm doing all this location scouting for this video that I'm about to shoot, and I'm wearing what I always wear, which is all I wear is exercise clothes. I was like facing this house, waiting for somebody to show up, and the streets behind me. And this car passed, and somebody shouted, hey, shorty, nice ass. Nice. And then I turned around and was like this old lady. And I was like, (laughs) wow. And they were like kids. They were like in their teens or 20s or whatever. It was like, it was so, anyway. So for my OnlyFans account, I'm going to have images of my ass in exercise pants just next to images of my aging collapsing face you think there's an audience for that you think people will pay uh, huge I, huge i can't imagine there huge. isn't i absolutely there is you gotta find the left-handed oyster shucking glove that's it oh i think it's gonna be that. wild yeah yeah <laughs> all right at least we have plans for what's to come we have plans we do we're ready we're ready all right listeners we want to hear what your twitter slash only fans account is going to offer yes please how will you help monetize the platform for elon that's right because he needs your money guys um also if you have general thoughts about twitter and what's good and bad about it or any other topics you'd like to discuss with us in the world any topic in the world please write us reach out us you can email us we are saucepodcast at gmail.com we're on all those social media platforms at least for now as (laughs) at sauce podcast you can join our Patreon, become a patron, patreon.com slash sauce podcast, and join us on the sauce speakeasy. And uh, if you want to reach me directly, I am at Gynostar on Twitter and all the various platforms. I am at Maya Garantz, anywhere you are looking for Maya Garantz's except for Facebook. <laughs> except for Facebook. Until next time, adios amoebas. Adios amoebas.